Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hi, Mary. Hey, Jillian. How are you? I'm great today. Yeah? We're going to be talking about something really fascinating today. Yes. So we know we've been dealing with some pretty heavy topics, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that's what we want to do. But mm-hmm. we also want to just make some really positive and meaningful conversations uh, that tackle some other things, too. Mm-hmm. And today we're talking about confidence. Yes. <laughs> Love yes. it. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny because I'm guessing that some of our listeners are listening to us and thinking, wow, those are two confident women. (laughs) 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 And, you know, I would say we have confidence. We have confidence in uh, the areas that we know that we're competent in. But, oh man, like if you got inside my head and the insecurities that I struggle with. We could write a book. We could write, well, yeah. Volumes. Well, I didn't write a book. <laughs> you wrote a book. I know. And in fact, when I released it, the the lies that went through my head, the, the insecurities, like what are people going to think? Of course. How are people going to judge it? Because I did show up uh, pretty vulnerable in that book. And and, I, and that goes to our podcast too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we show up pretty vulnerably. Yeah. And then... We could do that woulda, coulda, shoulda after mm-hmm. we walk out. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And actually, in full disclosure, mm. there was one particular episode where I was trying to put it, like, way down the line. Yes. The podcast list. Yes. And you wouldn't let me. Because <laughs> you were very vulnerable in that very one. Very vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, confidence. What is... Um, it's a big topic. It's a big word. I remember... Um, on my 50th birthday, a uh, little party at my house, mm-hmm. you were there, mm-hmm. and uh, someone gave me a book called The Confident Woman. Mm-hmm. And there's this picture of me sitting out in my backyard holding this book, and one of my friends commented on the picture on social media, uh, as if you need it. Huh. And I was like, oh, if you only knew mm-hmm. the swirling mess that goes on in my mind mm-hmm. that defeats me mm-hmm. and holds me back. That's right. And does the woulda, coulda, shoulda mm-hmm. and shames me and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I might come across as confident in some areas, but man, mm-hmm. have I got some big insecurities. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm a two on the Enneagram, as I've shared before, and that sits in the heart triad and the underlying emotion is shame. Okay. And um, so that um, feeling of shame regularly can come upon me and it can take me down if I'm yes. not careful about it. Um, one thing I've also um, recognized, I mean, I'm very relational and that's my strength, but it also makes me hyper aware of what other people are feeling and what they're thinking about me. Right. And my insecurity is that um, they're judging me um, They don't, or they're mad at me or they're upset with me, whatever it might be. And I think, um, interestingly enough, is that um, when you look at some of the research comparing men and women, that women in general, because, and this is a generalization because there is so much variability, and I love that there is, 
but in general, women are um, more relationally wired, which makes them more sensitive to the cues in their social environment. Really interesting because I was listening to uh, CBC Quirks and Quarks, which is this great science show on the radio. Mm -hmm. And the host was talking about this very thing. Why are there not more women in science? Hmm. And it's not because women are not bright, mm -hmm. gifted, intelligent in the science world. Mm -hmm. It's because they've been told over and over again that that's not an area for them. Um, and they've believed it. Mm -hmm. And even the women profs in science have not increased in like the last decade. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's certainly a lack of uh, confidence, but also there's this... There's this, you know, predilection mm -hmm. to holding people back, especially right. girls in That's the right. area of science and technology, yep. Yep. because we feel that they should be quieter, more demure, well, you know, less uh, inquisitive, etc. Yeah, and, and you know what? Aside from the societal um, expectations, it really has a lot to do with what a woman or a female thinks about themselves. Of course. So there was a study that I had read where um, they had uh, men and women doing um, math problems, and they were the university age. And when you looked at the results, the women didn't do as well as the men on average. Uh, then they changed the, uh, all they did was they told the women that they did as well as the men, that they did well. And they did the math problems and their results skyrocketed. Wow. I know. Just by the belief uh, that they're doing well in something. They I'm do trying better. to wrap my head around that. I know. So educators out there, mm -hmm. take note. Yeah. So they have found that really there are no differences between... Now, now girls in general excel in the language arts earlier... And boys in general excel in the more the math, the spatial, visual, spatial types of activities. But by the time you get into adulthood, it levels off. And so for those boys or those kids who dismissed Shakespeare and decided they didn't want to pursue reading or the language arts, if they had waited and mm -hmm. kept going, their brains would have caught up with the girls and vice versa for girls with boys. Wow, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So how do we... Um like this whole idea of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're reading this book because... Yeah. Because we are both, going back to that, we're both readers. We're both avid readers. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about books that we've read. Yeah. Uh, you've been reading this book uh, lately and you've been bragging all about it. <laughs> I've been bragging about it, but I'm like, man, this stuff is amazing. Well, you've been, you know, it's yeah. okay. You can brag okay, about well, it. It's, so. called, it's called The Confidence Code and it's by uh, Katie Kay and Claire Shipman. And they're two uh, journalists. And they started off um, just wanting to interview and research this whole thing about why are they seeing differences between men and women. And they, they're uh, very successful journalists. And, and I love how they are very transparent in the book about their own insecurities and oh, fears. Oh, that's good. And, um, and we're starting to realize how much that holds them back. And so they did a deep dive into their research and they interviewed all sorts of people, male, female. They, they interviewed this researcher who works with monkeys 
CDs. I mean, they did it all, and it present they presented it beautifully in in a way that was very affirming of what I've started to believe and experience through my own journey, as well as what I've. Uh, seen in others, which is how much we ourselves play a big significant part in holding ourselves back. Okay. So you were just, you know, you were reading to me uh, a quote from Mm -hmm. the book, which I'd love you to share with our listeners because it was kind of like, whoa, to me. Yeah. um, So here's the quote. um, And I I pulled it together from a, a bunch of different pages. Genuinely confident women perhaps genuinely confident people. So this is for men as well to listen. Don't feel that they have to hide anything. They are who they are, warts and all. And if you don't like it, or you think it is weak to show vulnerability, too bad for you. (laughs) These women have taken a risk in exposing their weaknesses, but it definitely hasn't kept them from succeeding. Indeed, it may well be part of the reason for their success. They are brave enough to not only be different, but to be themselves. Wow. Isn't that a great quote? That's a great quote. And actually, as you're reading it, uh, because that's a a couple of times I've heard that now, um, images of women are popping into my mind of women who I like are torchbearers for that as far as I'm concerned. People who have been brave and courageous and confident Mm -hmm. because they've let go of the trappings of what other people think and care mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. perceive mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Interestingly enough, these two journalists, they interview a lot of, and then when you read the book, you'll recognize the names of the, the women they've interviewed, like top, so successful at the top of their field. And they express a lot of the same insecurities that you and I have just talked about. Right. Uh, so genetically, and again, this is a generalization, um, as I said, uh, uh, females are more wired towards noticing the social cues and the environment around them. They're more emotionally wired. And so from a very early age, they are able to read the cues that it is better to be quiet, compliant, do things well. They get affirmed for their performance, for their appearance, uh, for being compliant. And uh, so from a very early age, they start to begin to inhabit those spaces. And so what they have found that into adulthood, women in general have a far greater rate of perfectionism. We tend to not want to try anything unless we feel we can be good at it. Uh, We have a a, a much more mortal fear of failure. And so we won't even try. And the challenge is that when you don't try, then you don't have the likelihood of success. And so they looked at um, corporations, and and by the way, this is really cool stats. The corporations that have more women in leadership have been shown to be financially more successful. So women in leadership is a really good thing and an important thing. But there's still fewer women in top leadership Mm -hmm. than before. And it's not for a lack of opportunity. In fact, if you talk to some of the men, they're like, please, we wish they would step up. But the the men have noticed that the women in meetings, for example, won't speak up as much. Uh, They won't, uh, they they have this, we have this belief that my competence will demonstrate itself and I'll get opportunities based on that. Mm. As opposed to- if you don't show up. If you don't show up and you don't speak up, and sometimes you have to like fight for what you think is what you want and what you're good at and you want to try. Um, and so 
with those differences, when when women are more sensitive to feeling that they're going to be perceived negatively by others and they care too much about what people think, and when they experience setbacks in those social mm-hmm. relationships, right. we have a, ta- a tendency to loop and loop and think about it and we can't let it go. And so that holds us back. We lose sleep over these kinds of things. Whereas generally, uh, again, based on wiring and uh, socialization, men are more able to let it kind of go off their back. They just let it slough off their back. So they're they, they're willing to keep trying. And so our fear of failure, our fear of what people think about us right. actually holds us back um, from trying. And the thing is, you never get good at anything unless you try and you're going to fail many times. Think about when you were, well, you've, you've got a grandson, you're watching him learn to walk. How many times has he fallen flat on his butt? Ugh. And Face plant too, right? Ah, uh, yeah, the big face plant yesterday. Right. Yeah, Little. constantly. So if you imagine the very first time you got up to walk, you fell on your butt and you said, oh, I'm not good at walking. I better stop trying. You would not even be able to walk and you certainly couldn't run or dance or, or do feed any yourself. Or feed yourself, because <laughs> that's true. Right? So from if you can accept and tolerate those experiences of perceived failure and you're learning from it. Because what happens is every single time your grandson falls on his butt, he's th- he's adjusting. Okay, I need to put my weight this way, or I need to try this, or I need to hold on to there. And you're refining what mm-hmm. you're doing. So in anything, uh, you have to tolerate failure to be good at it. And uh, in fact, that is also part of how people get competent and confident. I can't get competent in what I want to do in my field without having failed enough times. And then competence also breeds more confidence and on and on and the cycle goes. Well, in my life, I found that failure is my biggest teacher. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I'll um, just over the last couple of years, I've been doing these seminars, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) I walk into the room Mm -hmm. and the room is already ready. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The Mm -hmm. people are sitting there. They're waiting for me. So I've got to set up my technical stuff and Mm -hmm. make sure everything's working with all the eyes on me. Yes. (laughs) It's it's nerve-wracking. And it's predominantly a male audience. It it? is predominantly a male audience. (laughs) And um, so... In the first, you know, number of times, this would really stress me out. Like the night before, I'd be like sweating mm-hmm. because I'm thinking, am I going to have a technical issue? Am I going to be able to troubleshoot it, et cetera? And you bring two computers with you, don't you? Yeah. Plus your I, iPad. No, I used to. Not <laughs> okay, anymore. Okay, Because you're so I'm confident so confident now. <laughs> <laughs> so confident now. But what ended up happening was I realized how much energy was being sucked out of me mm. trying to navigate all that. So I thought, okay. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to show up in this room like the pro I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to let this technology weigh me down. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I did my troubleshooting, all that stuff. I'd make sure everything was, you know, ready to go. But if I ran into a problem, this is what I'd do. I'd say, hey, everybody, I'm having a little bit of a technical issue up here. Any techies in the room that can help me out while Mm -hmm. I just get, you know, up and running with Mm -hmm. the other things so we don't lose any time? People were like putting their hands up. And I'm mm-hmm, like, oh, this mm-hmm. is gold. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't diminish my ability to troubleshoot it. Right. But it let me off the hook mm. by leaning into somebody else's expertise. Mm-hmm. And I went along confidently mm-hmm. with the seminar right. without the weight of that on me. Right. And I would add, because I have seen you in action, and man, you are amazing in action, is your ability, because this comes back to confidence and your willingness to look a little bit foolish, 
or and I'm saying that in quotes because you don't look foolish. You just think you are. Yes. Um, it is that you can, t- t- you, you are the one that they're here to hear. It's not the technical That's stuff. Right. Those are just tools. That's right. You're the one who's got information and expertise and insight that's going to help the people. And so I just fake it. You just fake it. Well, fake it till you make it. Right. But and you're actually making it. That's right. So um, how have you in your life faked it? <sighs> well. Because people would pr- look at you and go, you're definitely a very confident, capable woman. And you are. Mm-hmm. But I know your insecurities. Mm-hmm. How have you in your life faked it? Mm-hmm. in order to succeed in the environment? Yeah. Um, when I um, am not sure of my opinion, my tendency would be to be quiet. So I've had to intentionally force myself to speak it up. And I will often preface it by going, I'm just thinking out loud here, but and I'll put it out there. And uh, that's part of how I fake it. And the part of it, too, is even my physical body stance – So this is a really interesting um, research. If you stand in a dominant pose, which is uh, hands on your hip. uh, Like almost like a Superman ready to launch. That's right. That's right. You actually will feel more confident. So sometimes that's just by changing my body language. So I will actually present myself as more confident in my body language. And I'll actually start to feel more that way. And also I do show up. I'm learning more and more to show up as myself, including the fact that I'm completely human and imperfect. And I find that my vulnerability and my transparency actually engages the audience far more than my perfection does. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I totally agree with that. As we sit here with our hands <laughs> on our hands, we're still sitting yeah, we're here. Still sitting. Um, so this whole idea of this confidence code. Mm. So clearly the book, there is a code, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if there's ways to crack the code, mm-hmm. to build confidence in yourself. Right. And to pass on that code breaking mm-hmm. to future generations, especially of girls right. turning into women. Yeah. So we can get them more confident, mm-hmm. right? And I'd like to expand that to include, uh, I mean, this book is written for women because uh, historically, uh, culturally, women have been disadvantaged. So that's why they wrote this book. But I would say that for men who are he- listening to this and are also recognizing that confidence or lack thereof is holding them back, that that's part of what they have to listen to. Right. So the number one thing is the um, you got to step outside of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to risk. And uh, one of the things that I've been practicing now, and part of it is um, at this season in my life, I want to show up the true me, the full me, and I want to be involved in things that's using the best of me, which means that uh, that's going to take risks of showing up as the full me. Yes. And uh, it's also going to mean that I'm going to um, um, just go for it. And one of the things that I've been saying to the Lord in my in private time is like, you know what, God, I, I so want to show up and obey and do what you're asking of me, even if it's seen as foolishness in the eyes of men or eyes of people. And so I'm learning to tolerate feeling foolish. So I had a situation happen to me um, uh, a couple years ago. And I had an opportunity to meet with a, a woman that I've admired for years. And leading up to that situation, I had all sorts of thoughts about what I wanted to say to her. Well, when I actually finally met with her, I 
babbled my way through it. I was, I, I was a mess. I felt, and I, I, my, my heart sunk to my toes. I felt like um, a fool. Mm. I felt like I, um, I just, I just, I was felt so much shame. That would be the predominant emotion that I felt. And the meeting was for me to ask her for an opportunity. And I bombed it so badly. I was ready to sink through the floor and get me out of here. And can we end this meeting already? And she looks at me and she says, let's do it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? And of course, at that point, I can't even like accept that, that she said that. So I quickly, because I'm struggling with these feelings of shame, I, I kind of push her out of the room. Like, oh, that's amazing. I'll, I'll get in touch with you later. And I kind of push her out of the room. <laughs> and then for the rest of that day, I could not shake that feeling of shame to the point where my husband was saying, what's going on? Something's going on with me. And I, and I had to sit and process through those feelings that all got stirred up. But the thing is, when I look back at that, I laugh at it now because I, I, I did make myself a fool. Mm -hmm. But yet the opportunity opened up for me. And, I, and it was a fantastic opportunity that I wouldn't have had if I had held back. Yeah. And um, so that's fake it until I make it as well. And also when I do mess up, because I do plenty of times is being able to just push through it. Don't let it hold you back. Don't get inside your head in the woulda, coulda, shoulda, and just also laugh at yourself. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned to do too, is kind of like, oops, haha, and move on. So um, I, I love to ski. Mm -hmm. I don't do it as much now because I've got a bit of a knee thing going on. But I remember uh, my neighbor and I, who was, she was also a skier. We took our kids over to this like hill near our house, right? And the kids were trying out snowboards. Mm -hmm. And so this is full disclosure. So my friend and I were like, well, we could do this. We're skiers, right? How hard can it be? And <laughs> I can already picture this. <laughs> and so here we are in front of our children and their friends, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. at this hill. Okay. And so I just, decided I was going to go first. I was going to, I was going to shred this hill. <laughs> well, there's right, also something called overconfidence. But hey. <laughs> right off the bat, oh. I got on that snowboard and it's such a different feeling from skiing. Yeah. I face planted, uh -huh. but not only did I face plant, I was like a human snowplow down oh. the hill face first <laughs> in front of my kids and in front of their friends. And I, I just felt like stupid, yeah, incompetent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to stand up and yell, I could ski, really, I could ski, I could ski. <laughs> um, I wanted to cover up my shame. Mm -hmm. I felt exposed. Mm -hmm. um, I felt kind of humiliated. Mm -hmm. And um, But my friend, she was laughing so hard, she almost wet her pants. <laughs> So that kind of shook me out of my initial feelings. And then, God bless her, mm -hmm. she's like, I'm next. Mm -hmm. And she pretty much did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, we laugh about it, but I just remember all those feelings attached to it. Yeah. like, And feeling so like I could do this, but then I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And um, I wonder how many other arenas where I've done that same thing where I haven't even risked Yeah, because of... An experience like that, which is kind of inconsequential in my life, mm -hmm. where they that's played out. Oh, I would. Whereas, yeah, all the time, I wouldn't try it mm -hmm. because I wasn't sure I could right. do it. Right. And so then, 
not only do you lack the confidence, you actually lack the courage Mm -hmm. and you rob yourself of the risk. You rob yourself of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. You rob yourself of the learning curve. Right. Like how many of us have burned meals? Yeah. Yeah. Burned something in the kitchen. Has it stopped us from making food? That's right. You know, I I like what you said about the learning curve. Um, If our listeners are kind of tracking with us and going like, oh, yes, this is me. Um, If you have as your goal, let's say I want to learn how to play piano, just as an example. My goal isn't to be an excellent piano player. No. My goal is to learn and to grow. Well, then every single time I face the piano keys and I'm stumbling my way through it, I am growing through that. So whatever they're wanting to try and risk, if the goal is to grow, like 100%, it's going to happen if you're able to look back on that as a learning experience. The other thing that um, is be able to recognize is that what you're doing in facing that fear or doing that difficult thing or facing failure is you're increasing your tolerance for those feelings of embarrassment, humiliation, failure, whatever it might be. And you realize it's okay. I can handle it. I am strong and I can do this. And what that does is it begets even more likelihood of risking and trying and risking and trying. And then you'll look back at this point in your life and you'll be like, I can't believe how far I've come. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how does the brain work into all this? Like, is um, is there a difference in the brain chemistry of people who seem to be able to do this from the get-go? Uh, yes. Um, and can we develop it? Yes. So there's there's definitely some genetics around uh, what I'll call risk-taking behavior. And um, testosterone has a link to that. Uh, so uh, men in general, because they have more testosterone, tend to have more likelihood of risk-taking behavior, both good and bad. Yeah, exactly. If you've raised any teenage boys, uh, you'll know that. Um uh, but it's also something like the brain is so uh, this beautiful, again, organ that has the ability to be rewired through our experiences. So the more you take risks and the more you are uh, trying new things, you're actually increasing the hormones in your brain that allow you to be able to take the risk even more so. So you're rewiring your brain and you're also rewiring your confidence that you're going to be able to do it and that you can tolerate it as well. So it's the... Um, Dopamine is the um, uh, is the hormone that is linked towards uh, the uh, I can do it. Mm. It's the I can do it mm-hmm. um, uh, hormone. It, it increases more of that uh, the production of that hormone in your brain. You know what I love? I love um, years ago I joined a running room uh, to do a running clinic, mm-hmm. and back in my teenage years, I guess like. It was predominantly men that were running marathons, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Women were running marathons, but probably at the higher, more Mm -hmm. competitive level. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when I joined this running room, um, the the marathon craze had kind of started where people were sort of, you know, daring themselves to run a 5K, a Mm -hmm. 10K. Mm -hmm. And then people were like... I've got this in me to do like a half marathon. That's right. And then women were doing, well, I could do a full marathon. Mm -hmm. I could do a triathlon. Mm -hmm. And now we see women of all shapes and sizes, athletic abilities, Mm -hmm. and men Mm -hmm. running marathons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they've 
built the resilience, they've built the muscle, they've done the training. Yeah. And I think a lot of our risk-taking and confidence building is doing those small steps, mm-hmm. gaining the confidence mm-hmm. so we can leverage that mm-hmm. for the next big thing. That's right. Right? That's right. And so I've got a coaching client and um, one of the things that he was having a lot of a lack of confidence around was having difficult conversations mm-hmm. with his team members, and it was actually really costing the organization. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we practiced some of the conversations. Mm-hmm. We practiced the way he would deliver them. Mm-hmm. And we actually talked about how he's going to walk in the room. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about what he was going to wear, mm-hmm. um, how he was going to present himself. Yep. And on his last report, he said to me he had to do a very hard thing, mm-hmm. which was talk to a team member who was underperforming. Mm-hmm. And his words were, and the world didn't fall Fall apart. apart. Exactly. And so what he now, I've encouraged him to do is take that hard, Mm. hard thing, Mm -hmm. write it down, Mm -hmm. and leverage that for the next very hard thing he's going to have to do. Mm -hmm. Because he's going to have to leverage that confidence again. Mm -hmm. So whether it's in an athletic arena or whether it's in, we want to play the piano. Yeah or whether it's in we want to give a speech or we have to do a presentation, yeah. or there's technical issues, yeah. Yeah. we can leverage our mm-hmm. lessons mm-hmm. and risk, yeah. and things may go south. Yeah, but we learn from Take that. Take our lessons. Yeah. What what happened? Did the world end? No. Mm-hmm. Did I have these feelings? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can I leverage these feelings? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there something I can do to adjust mm-hmm. and be more prepared or mm-hmm. troubleshoot? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. But don't stop risking. Don't stop risking. And I would like to end uh, this episode, too, um, with, for those of us whose faith is very important, is a recognition that, you know, our choice to risk opens up the door for God to do the impossible. I mean, we have to remember that our responsibility is to steward our abilities, our influence, our life in the best way we can. And we leave the outcome to God because he's the one who shows up and he does the impossible through us. So remember, when you allow fear to hold you back from risking, you are potentially allowing fear to hold you back from what God wants you to do and the impact that he has intends for you in this world. So for those of you listening and you're thinking about that, you know, God's been nudging you to uh, do that speech or to speak to that person, or to write that uh, blog that you've been meaning to write, or to start that podcast, <laughs> Yeah, you know, whatever it is, consider that your uh, acts of obedience is not only going to grow your resilience, but it's also going to grow your faith, and it's going to grow your experience of seeing God do the impossible, which oh. then fuels itself with greater faith, greater confidence, and on and on it goes, so and greater good. joy as well. So good. Mm-hmm. And if you never, ever try, yeah, you'll never, ever know. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's really uplifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I love that conversation. Yeah. And I I love that this is based on a great book. So, you know, get that book on your reading list, The Confidence Code. Yeah, we'll put it on our show notes. Perfect. Link for it. Yeah. And uh, and what are the hard things that you've learned from? That's and right. how can you leverage them for the next hard, risky, courageous thing you're going to do to build your confidence? That's right. All right. Thanks for listening in. Have a great week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. 
Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.